أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين السلام عليكم and welcome to anyone who's uh, had the opportunity to join us uh, for this 20th episode of Risala Roundtable podcast um, uh, today's discussion inshallah is going to be based on uh, the notion of خلق افعال Okay, so that's the creation of actions. Um, uh, it was uh, suggested uh, to me by uh, Dr. Colin Turner in the UK that um, uh, this is an issue that, um, well, it's a notion that uh, people often struggle with, um, so that uh, it would be worthwhile discussing it. Uh, so I figured I'd uh, take up that suggestion. Uh, inshallah, I can uh, give it justice. Um, and so I'm going to go ahead and talk about uh, the notion of the creation of actions um, from the perspective of uh, Bediuzzaman Said Nursi's 26th word, uh, which is on divine determining. Okay, so in this 26th word um, uh, and the second topic of it in particular, uh, Bediuzzaman discusses. Um, total of seven different ways in which uh, divine determining, right, so Qadr, right? Uh, this notion of, you know, Allah having planned uh, everything that will occur in this universe and, in fact, uh, having recorded that plan in the preserved tablet, the law for Mahfuz. And, indeed, Allah then putting that plan into motion uh, via his uh, uh, divine decree, his Qadr, Right. Uh, how is all of this compatible uh, with free will, humans having free will, right? or, you know, uh, or the existence of free will beings, whether humans or jinn? Uh, Bedouzman discusses here, as I said, seven ways in which those two things are compatible. Now, in the uh, sixth and seventh of these points, Bedouzman says a few things that are relevant to this notion of halqa um, ifal. So... Um, I'm hoping to try to cover both of those points uh, in today's discussion. Um, just, I should say from the outset, um, you know, the main thing to know about the notion of halqa ifal is that on the Sunni view, uh, when the human being uh, chooses, like when the human being or any free will being um, uh, exercise uh, their free will, right? When when free will beings ex- exercise their free will. Uh, that exercise does not, in fact, result in any physical event. Okay, so of course, the making of a choice is a mental event. Right? It's something that um, uh, that that your spiritual being does. Okay, so you're a, you're a ruh, would say, um, and you have a number of faculties attached to you. You know, you have you have qalb and you have aql, uh, you have irada in particular. And um, so these are all immaterial faculties, right? Uh, and you exercise that faculty. Um, and that's all you can do. Right? That's a Sunni view. All you can do is exercise your free will, right? So a mental act, right? or, a, or a, uh, in any case, a non-material act, right? a non-physical act. Your carrying out that act, that, that uh, non-physical act, can have no effect in the physical world. What has to happen is that um, Allah needs to take into account your choice um, and if he agrees to give effect to your choice, if he wills um, to actuate your choice, if you will, 
um, only then can your choice have an effect in the uh, physical world. So, for example, I've got in front of me right now a glass of water. Uh, I can choose to reach forward and grab that water, um, and that's the mental act. My arm's actually moving forward and picking that glass up, um, uh, and indeed my drinking it, and all of those physical events all need to be done by Allah. Okay, We cannot, through the making of our um, free choices, we cannot cause any of those physical events. That's the Sunni view. So a couple of issues arise from this view. Okay, um, uh, A couple of main issues, uh, at least. The first of these is, well, what's wrong with saying that uh, we can't create our, our, our own actions? Okay, So what's wrong with, for example, taking a Mu'tazila view and saying that not only um, do we freely choose, but we are also uh, efficient causes in the physical world. Uh, we are able to give effect to our choices. Uh, what's wrong with saying that? Um, that's the first... Um, uh, issue um, and then the second issue that arises is this well if our um, if all we can do is make choices and uh, uh, Allah then creates um, uh, the physical events to follow uh, from those choices uh, how is it that we're accountable um, for our mistakes Right, so let's say that in front of me now I don't have a glass of water but some kind of an alcoholic beverage uh, which I know to be haram, which I know to be forbidden. Uh, so knowing full well that I'm not to drink that, I make the choice to drink it. But then on the Sunni view, I'm not the one who actually brings it about that I can reach forward and pick it up and, and, and drink it. Okay, That event is um, just as much out of my hands as any number of involuntary um, uh, um, actions that we engage in, like, for example, um, the, the, the uh, digestion of food or, um, you know, uh, circulation, um, uh, uh, breathing and, and, and things like this. Um, uh, on the Sunni view, yeah, in the same way that we can't really um, cause those sorts of physical events, uh, so too we don't cause that physical event in which... My hand reaches forward, picks up an alcoholic beverage, and, and I drink it. So if that physical event is due to Allah and Allah alone, um, then why is it that I can be held to account? Or how, rather, is it that I can be held to account for it? Um, uh, so there are at least a couple of issues that arise. Now, Bediziman deals with both of those issues um, in turn in the sixth and then the seventh uh, uh, points uh, that I mentioned a moment ago. Um, uh, inshallah, we can get through both of them, but I want to at least get through that first point. You know, if I don't have time to get through the uh, the second point, uh, can um, leave that for another time, or, or maybe just discuss it very briefly at the end, because it's more that first issue um, that's problematic. Um, uh, that's the issue that I think um, um, many people will struggle to to understand because um, to understand why it's problematic to say that um, we can um, create physical uh, you know we can actuate our choices ourselves like we can create the physical events ourselves um, uh, that follow from our choices right um, to understand why that's problematic there are a variety of uh, sort of technical uh, notions that need to be understood. 
Um, and I think that those notions stand in the way sometimes, um, uh, you know, of people understanding um, this issue. Indeed, when we read this in a moment, we're going to see uh, Bedouzman prefaces this sixth point, you know, with a footnote. Um, he says here, uh, this is a truth particular to precise and exacting scholars. So he's saying there quite explicitly that he's addressing here the scholarly class. Uh, you know, he's not ex expecting that everybody will be able to understand what he's talking about here. Um, uh, I'm hoping to try to, uh, you know, to the extent of my um, ability, I'm hoping to try to shed at least some uh, light on it. You know, again, I hope that I can give this issue justice because uh, I think it's an important one. Um, so let me go ahead now and read first this sixth point from the 26th word, uh, second topic. Um, and let's come back then and talk about that uh, before we then go on to the seventh point, inshallah. A'udhu billahi minash shaitan rajeem. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad. The sixth. According to Maturidi, inclination, mi'alan, inclination, the essence and foundation of the power of choice, juzi ihtiyar or juzi irade, is a theoretical matter, right? is an emri itibari, a theoretical matter, and may be attributed to Allah's servants. But since Ash'ari considered it to have existence, he did not attribute it to them. However, according to Ash'ari, the power of disposal in the inclination, so the tasarruf me'alan, right, the actual use of that faculty, right, the use of the inclination, right, the disposal in inclination, is an emri tibadi, is a theoretical matter. In which case, the inclination, the me'alan, and the disposal, the tasarruf, are a relative matter, right, an emri nisbi, right, a nisbi matter a relative matter. They do not have a definite external existence. So they do not have, in the original Turkish, a wujud hariji, a definite external existence. As for theoretical matters, they do not require total causes. So that's illetatamme. Right? They do not require total causes through which for their existence, necessity would intervene and remove the will and power of choice. Rather, if the cause of the theoretical matters acquires the weight of preference, the theoretical matter may become actual and existent. In which case, at that juncture, it may be abandoned. The Qur'an may say to a person at that point, This is evil, do not do it. Indeed, if Allah's servants had been the creators of their actions and had had the power to create, then their wills would have been removed. Right? Their wills would have been nullified, he's saying that. For an established rule in the sciences of a religion and philosophy is, if a thing is not necessary, if it is not wajib, if it is not necessary, it may not come into existence of itself. That is, there has to be a cause, an illet. Then it may come into existence. The cause necessarily requires the effect. 
then the power of choice would not remain. Okay, he goes on here. If you say preference without a cause or attribute, to cause the preference is impossible. Whereas the theoretical matter, right, the emri itibari, we call right, human acquisition, right, cusp, sometimes does a thing and sometimes does not. If there is nothing to cause the preference, preference without something to cause it would be necessary. As for this, it demolishes one of the most important bases of theology. Right, so that's the question, that's the allegation, right, the answer. Preference without a cause or attribute to cause the preference is, is impossible. That is, a being preferable or superior without a cause or attribute to make it so is impossible. However, preference without something to cause it is permissible and occurs. Will, irad, is an attribute, and its mark is to perform a, a work such as that. Okay. He goes on for a little bit longer um, and covers um, uh, a slightly different issue, a grammatical issue. Um, so I'm going to stop um, reading there. Um, let's come back now and talk about um, what Bedizman has said there. Right. So recall that... Um, we're talking here about the notion of halk ifal, right? the creation of actions. So we're saying that on the Sunni view, Allah is the one that creates the actions, the physical events that follow subsequent to our choices. Okay, um, and we said that uh, an issue arises from that. Right. So you know the question that arises straight away is, well, why not? Well, why can't we say that? Um, you know, together with the Mu'tazila. Why can't we say that, uh, you know, the human being has not only the power of choice, but also the power to create um, certain physical events, right? So, in particular, our, our voluntary actions, okay? Um, sure, I might not be the one that, you know, um, makes the earth uh, orbit the sun, but surely, um, you know, thinks, the, um, you know, the proponent of the Mu'tazida view, uh, surely, at least, I do have the power to create... Um, those physical events in which I myself am involved, like, for example, my, um, I, I choose, again, to reach forward and pick up a glass, right? so therefore my arm needs to move forward, surely I can have the power to at least do that. You know, um, wouldn't it be better if things were that way? I mean, here we are in a testing realm, right? we're here um, to be tested, uh, there are a variety of goods um, that Allah achieves in testing us, um, doesn't the fact that uh, we can create our own actions. Doesn't that really mean that we're accountable? You know, um, isn't that really um, uh, what our accountability uh, consists in? Okay, um, because otherwise, then you have that second issue uh, that, that that I mentioned. Um, you have the issue of well, you know, if Allah's the one who creates our actions, um, how is it that we're accountable? You know, so why not just go ahead and say that we can create our own actions? Well, Bedizaman's worry about that is this, that um, if the human being did have the power to create um, his or her own actions, uh, sans Allah, right? so without relying at all on Allah's power, if the human being could create um, uh, his or her own actions, that would actually nullify our free will. right? So it seems uh, uh, maybe at first, 
um, somewhat uh, counterintuitive, right? If we have the power to, um, uh, you know, give effect to our choices, then that nullifies our free will, right? Seems like it should be the other way around. So why is it that Bedouzaman uh, thinks this? So to make this point, to make this argument, Bedouzaman here um, begins by um, talking about the weak, the very weak ontological status uh, of our free will. You know, um, when we go ahead in a moment and inshallah read, um, uh, or, or at least later on when we go ahead and read this seventh point, you know, he's going to really underline there, you know, um, how weak the um, human faculty of free will is, you know, ontologically speaking. Um, uh, it is something uh, uh, utterly weak, very weak. Okay, so Bedouzaman starts here by uh, drawing attention to that. Okay, um, he differentiates the ontological status of uh, human free will from other things that are ontologically stronger. Okay, so one category, um, uh, one category that he uh, mentions is um, uh, things that have a wujud hariji. Okay, a definite external existence. So what kind of things are, are, are those? Um, well, that in itself is a, um, a contentious issue among uh, Risala scholars. However, uh, we can definitely say that minimally, you know, uh, uh, the sorts of things that are, you know, definitely some of the things that are, that are um, uh, externally existent, right, that have a definite external existence, a wujud hariji. Right. Uh, just physical, material, corporeal things, right? Anything that has a form, you know, anything that has a shape, um, anything that's at least potentially observable, right? So, um, you know, we might not have access to everything that has a wujudahariji, right? There might be certain things, um, like, for example, dark matter. Right? That's certainly something physical. It's posited by uh, physicists, right? It's posited in physics. Um, but yet, because it doesn't reflect light, um, you know, we we have limited uh, observational access to it. Um, we only know it uh, inferentially. Okay. Um, nonetheless, it still has a wujud hariji, right? So you know, some things having a wujud hariji, in other words, is not dependent on our being able to um, uh, observe it here and now. Okay. Uh, for example, uh, things like um, paradise and um, uh, hell as uh, said to exist right here and now, okay? Um, uh, Bedouzaman even gives a location for where hell, uh, you know, the greater hell, uh, is likely to be situated, okay? Um, uh, nonetheless, we cannot um, access it, but it doesn't matter. That, doesn't, that does not detract from its uh, character as uh, having a, uh, a wujud hadiji, an external existence, right? So things that have an external existence in that way, you know, things like tables and chairs and particles and planets and universes, um, you know, realms like uh, paradise and hell, uh, things like this, uh, ontologically, they are, are firmer or stronger. Um, you know, they're as things that exist in other words, okay? So ontology is the, you know, the study of existence, right? Um, as things that exist, they are firmer and stronger than uh, theoretical or merely notional or merely relative things, right? Uh, an example, 
you know, aside from human free will, of something that's merely relative, is, uh, for example, uh, the left side of something, right? So let, think, for example, the left of your house, right? You know, the left of your house uh, is something... Um, uh, very much conventional, you know, um, or, or contextual. Uh, let's let's say that um, you were to make your front door uh, now your back door, and make your back door your front door. Suddenly, now the left of the building changes, doesn't it? Uh, the left of a building, right? The notion of leftness, it's uh, ontologically weaker than, for example, the house itself. Uh, you could bring me the bricks of the house, or you could even bring me, uh, you know, a part of a house. Uh, you know, we could and we could touch it. It's palpable, right? Uh, it's corporeal. We could we could touch it, we could feel it, we could weigh it, we could break it, cut it, um, and do things like that to it. Um, but the left, yeah, you know, it's easy to see that ontologically speaking, um, uh, although it's not entirely non-existent, because look, you know, we can point to it right now. Like you can point to the left of your house. Uh, so it does have a reality. It does exist in a way, but it doesn't exist in as firm a way as, uh, you know, the house itself. So uh, the human faculty of free will, Bediuzzaman uh, says, uh, and this is the Sunni view, in fact, uh, it's an emri tibari, it's something theoretical, or it's nispi, it's just it's something merely relative. Um, uh, it does not exist in the same way, uh, in a stronger way as things like, um, you know, phys physical things like particles and, and um, uh, planets or molecules and uh, 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 things like that. Uh, all right, so he begins by sort of making that distinction, right? He's saying here that, uh, well, um, well, actually, the, he, first of all, he um, draws attention to uh, a slight difference of opinion between uh, two different Sunni scholars of uh, Aqidah, uh, Imam Maturidi and um, Imam Ashari. Uh, you know, one takes it that... Um, uh, you know the faculty of free will in its in its entirety is something theoretical, but Imam Ash'ari uh, disagrees and says no, the faculty of free will it is actually um, existent uh, in a stronger way than that. It's not merely theoretical, but he does uh, agree that at least the tasarruf um, me'alan right. So um, uh, so uh, inclination. Um, uh, which I'll talk more about in a moment, but inclination being the heart of, um, you know, the very essence of uh, the, f the human faculty of will or choice, um, uh, the disposal of that, right, the use of that, uh, that is something, uh, Imam Ashari agrees, right, that is something theoretical. So in the end, both scholars agree that in some sense or other, um, you know, human choosing, right, whether the faculty of choice or at least just the um, uh, disposal of that, uh, the use of that uh, faculty, uh, is ontologically weak, is merely theoretical, uh, uh, or it's relative, it's something relative, it's an empty uh, spear. In what sense, in what sense one might wonder, like how is it that they're relative? Uh, you know, to my mind, one way to try to understand um, the sense in which me'alan uh, or tasaruf me'alan, so uh, um, uh, human inclination or the use of that inclination um, uh, is something relative, like one way to understand that is, is just like this. Uh, it's to see that 
like when we when we well first of all let, 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 let's see that when we choose like what's really happening there according to the Sunni scholars is that we are inclining toward okay we are preferring in other words a particular alternative but that alternative is always that alternative is always one out of many alternatives that could be chosen right so when we prefer um, that's something relative in this sense like we're always preferring alternative a over some other um, you know we're preferring a relative to b we're saying uh, that a is more preferable to me it's better as far as i'm concerned than some other uh, alternative or alternatives so I think in that sense we can see that it is indeed something uh, uh, quite relative. Uh, again, it's still, of course, quite a mysterious uh, faculty. Right? It's quite a mysterious thing. Um, and the, re the reason why it's such a mysterious thing is because it's a faculty of something even more mysterious, right? the human spirit. Uh, you know, we're informed uh, you know, in the Quran that uh, we've been given very little knowledge uh, of this uh, of this uh, ruh, this spirit. Um, uh, so, you know, uh, the ruh is the essence of the human being. Um, it has a number of faculties associated with it. Uh, just exactly what sort of a thing is, uh, is this ruh and what sort of a thing are these faculties? Uh, just how do they work? I mean, these are all uh, extremely... Um, uh, these are all very much uh, mysterious matters, but as far as uh, we can tell, uh, uh, yeah, we can tell indeed that uh, the human use of uh, free will—it's not something palpable, right? Uh, it's not something that exists in the same way as um, you know the cushions that I'm sitting on or the table in front of me. Uh, all right, so so how does all of this help Bedouzaman's uh, argument, right? Um, uh, the fact that human free will or the use of that free will, uh, the me'alan or the tasaruf of me'alan, are theoretical matters or relative matters as opposed to things with a, uh, a definite external existence. How does that help Bedouzaman um, make his point, right? Uh, again, that point was what? It was just this, that if we do say that we have the power to uh, give effect to our choices right, in the physical realm in the physical world if we do have the power to create physical um, uh, events physical effects um, then that actually negates our free will Bedouzman says right so how does uh, this talk of uh, the ontological status right the theoretical nature um, you know uh, the non-externally existent nature if you will of um, uh, the human faculty of free will or its use, how does that help show that? Well, what Bedouzaman uh, draws attention to is this, that like, when you're talking about things that have an external existence, uh, uh, let's consider again um, any physical thing, right? like, um, uh, let's keep it simple, like let's just think of a single particle, Right? a single particle or a single atom, and even the motion of that atom from one location in space to another, let's say. Right? Just thinking of something as basic as that, as simple as that. That event, that physical event, cannot occur, cannot exist without, uh, 
what's known as, what Bedouzman refers to here as uh, an illetatamme. You need a definite cause of that, okay? Um, because that, uh, why is that the case? Because uh, that particle is something uh, non-necessary, okay? In, which is to say that it didn't have to exist. It's something quite contingent, right? Uh, because of its contingency, it relies on something else to, uh, something external to it to, uh, create it and indeed to give it the um, uh, attributes that it has. For example, coming back to that particle, if that particle exists and it has certain attributes, for example, it has uh, motion, right, moves from one location in space to another, well, some external cause needs to bring that about. Uh, otherwise, it cannot because it's something contingent, right? Uh, just like, for example, your mobile telephone. Uh, it's easy to see that your mobile telephone exists, right? It's palpable, right? Possibly holding it in your hand right now, just as I'm holding mine. Um, here it is. It's palpable. It's corporeal. It's physical and material. Um, uh, I can I can touch and feel it. So it definitely exists. It definitely has a wujud hariji, has a definite external existence. Uh, but it didn't have to exist. That's the key thing. It exists, yet it didn't have to exist. That's easily shown just by the fact that there was a time when it didn't exist. Right? Prior to its being manufactured in the factory, uh, it didn't exist. Okay, um, So it's obvious that it didn't have to exist, but yet, lo and behold, here it is. It does exist. If it does exist, then there needs to be a definite cause of that. Okay, um, Something that can cause physical effects, something that can create mobile phones, or something that can create particles, something that can move particles, right, has to actually create those physical events. Um, so any contingent thing, right, anything that doesn't need to exist, right, in the sense that it's not necessary, it's not wajib, right, it's not like a god in other words. Right? Like what kind of beings are wajib? What kind of a being is wajib? Well, only Allah. Right? Allah's existence is wajib. He is necessary, therefore he does not need any cause for his existence. Uh, uh, so although he has, you know, um, uh, uh, ontologically speaking, the strongest form of, of uh, existence uh, possible, okay, um, uh, he is existent in the fullest sense imaginable. Um, nonetheless, because he is wajib, because his existence is necessary, meaning that he could not fail to exist, Allah does not need any cause of his existence. But other things, right, all of the particles and all of the things of the universe, right, all of the composite objects of the universe, these are all non-necessary. They didn't have to exist, yet they do. Therefore, they require a cause. All right. Indeed, they require an illetatamme. So an illetatameh, right, which Bedouzman refers to here uh, uh, in the sixth point, and is uh, translated here um, into English as total causes. Right? Well, what that's just referring to is that uh, uh, total causes are just the full set of conditions that are required uh, to create some uh, um, physical event. Right? So some contingent thing. Right, doesn't need to exist, but yet it does. Doesn't have to exist, but yet it does. Uh, that thing needs 
uh, an iletatame. It needs a set of uh, either a condition or a set of conditions that together are jointly necessary and sufficient for its creation. Okay, um, so that's the key uh, issue. Okay, uh, contingent things need an iletatame. They need a um, a real cause. Right? They need a uh, an iletatame. They need a total cause. Um, and once that, uh, he, and, and here's another critical uh, matter, once that um, set of necessary and sufficient conditions is in place, um, then uh, that, that uh, effect follows necessarily. Right. Uh, and that has to be the case. Uh, there's no point saying that here this set of conditions is uh, both necessary right, and sufficient for the creation of some contingent effect, some physical effect. Right. No point saying that this set of conditions is necessary and sufficient for that, but then in the same breath say that, that this set of conditions could be in place without that effect ensuing, because then those conditions would not have been necessary and sufficient for that effect in the first place. Okay, so the moment we acknowledge that a particular cause is necessary and sufficient, or a particular uh, set of conditions, a cause and some conditions are necessary and sufficient for uh, a, a given effect, uh, then we're obliged to uh, admit that once those uh, conditions are in place, then that effect uh, ensues, that, that effect follows. So imagine again um, that particle right, that I referred to a moment ago. Let's, uh, let's say that uh, the uh, necessary and sufficient conditions for that particle's existing and moving from point A to B in space um, uh, are these conditions, right? Well, first of all, Allah has to create that particle. Uh, Allah has to create a space field, right? Has to create a uh, yeah, has to create space in which it exists. Right? Otherwise, it, it, there can be no talk of it moving from one point in space to another. Right? So all these conditions have to be in place. Then, indeed, Allah has to will for that particle to move from uh, one place in space to another. Okay. So all of those things have to be in place. And in particular, Allah's will, Allah's power, right? Allah's deciding that this particle and this space field um, and the motion of that particle, Allah's deciding that all these things are going to exist. Um, uh, all of those things have to be in place for that physical event to occur. Okay. Um, and once all of those things are in place, then the occurrence of that physical event is entirely inescapable. Okay. Um, why? Because those conditions, again, because those conditions being in place, we said are both necessary and sufficient for um, that particular effect. So Allah's creating and moving those particles in space uh, uh, act as the illetatamma, right? the total cause for that event. Um, so that's how things work when we're talking about um, uh, um, things that have an external existence. Right. Things that have a wujud uh, right? So physical, corporeal sorts of things, material things. Um, you know whether or not we've got access to them observationally at the moment. That's how it works in that in that domain. Okay, but Buddhism's uh, arguing here that 
because uh, the human use of free will right, uh, is not externally existent in that way, right, doesn't have that kind of uh, strong ontological character, ontologically speaking, uh, is weaker than that, uh, it does not require an illetatamme. Okay. Um, so what does he mean by that? Like, uh, Let's start by saying what he doesn't mean. Okay. He's not saying here that, uh, you know, um, a human uh, choice can exist in the absence of any cause at all, right? There does need to be a human being to actually make that choice. So that's not what he's saying. Uh, rather, what I take him to be saying here in this sixth point is this, that there does not need to be any cause for this particular fact, right? Why does... The human being that chooses in this instance, why does the human being choose uh, A rather than B? Okay, there does not need to be an illetatamme for that. There does not need to be any cause of that. Okay, so imagine here I've got now not just one glass in front of me, but I've got two glasses. Right, they both contain a liquid. Let's say. Um, now, what the human being can do, right, thanks to this faculty of uh, free will, right? thanks to having this uh, faculty that has no external existence and is something quite relative, quite theoretical and notional, right? um, thanks to that, the human being can prefer, right, can incline toward, right, in other words, can choose right, glass A rather than glass B. The human being can prefer one rather than the other. And there does not need to be any reason why the person chose the one rather than the other. The person could have chosen purely on a whim. Now, it could even be the case, but this one goes so far as to say, it could even be the case, uh, you know, uh, that uh, there's something to make one preferable. One could be better, okay? Um, one could have, let's say, cooler water. Right? And I could be aware of that, let's say. Right? One could be a little bit closer to me. Uh, one could be easier to reach for. Right? Uh, one could be preferable. It could be, you know, uh, it could have qualities that make it better. But nonetheless, I can still choose the other. And there does not need to be any reason why. I can pure, I can, I can choose just on a whim, right? For no reason at all, in other words. And Bedizuman uh, uh, underlines here that, uh, you know, the Sunni position is that it is the very essence of free will to be able to do such a thing, okay? Uh, it's the, the human uh, uh, faculty of free will, right? The, the me'alan or the tasaruf of me'alan, the use of that free will, right? Its very essence is to be able to prefer A rather than B, even in the absence of anything to make A preferable to B, Right? Or even in spite of A's being preferable to B, uh, the human being can choose B. Okay, So the human free will is free, very much free to choose however it wants. Right? You can choose whatever you want. Um, and the reality is that given that we're rational beings, uh, on, the major uh, on the majority of occasions, of course, we are going to choose uh, that which is preferable to us. Um, but the reality is that the key thing to know about human free will is that it does not need to do that. It does not have to. It's not forced to.
okay? Uh, regardless of the options before you, you're always free to choose whichever of them that you want. Right? Uh, let's say that someone's got a gun to my head. Right? You might think, oh, you've got no choice there but to do what the gunman tells you. Right? Gunman puts a, uh, a gun to my head, let's say he's got me prisoner, puts a gun to my head and says you are to choose glass A rather than B. Right? Now glass A contains, let's say, an alcoholic beverage right? and you are to choose that glass A. Let's say. Um, now, of course, most of us would say that, oh, you know, uh, we've got no choice there but to, but to um, uh, choose what he says. But that wouldn't actually be correct. Technically speaking, I can still choose uh, however I want. I can still choose a glass B. Now, that might mean that I get a bullet to the head, but nonetheless, I was still free to choose that. It might, uh, uh, all, all that's happening here is that my exercising my free will might have some severe consequences for me um, but that does not change the fact that I was free to choose however I want in the technical sense of the term okay um, so that's um, that's the nature of uh, human free will okay uh, because of the fact that it's something quite theoretical it does not need um, an illetatamme, it does not need a cause, right? It can choose however it wants, right? For no particular reason. Right? There does not need to be any cause, just to reiterate, there does not need to be any cause at all for why I prefer A rather than B. Even though often there will be uh, a reason why I choose glass A rather than B, uh, there does not have to be. I can choose either of them at a whim. Okay. Um, now, uh, another thing that follows from the fact that our will is uh, theoretical right, is this. Okay. Uh, uh, so, again, recall the fact that the human free will has no external existence. Okay. Um, it can choose A rather than B for, uh, you know, with no cause at all, with nothing to make one uh, preferable over the other. No. It's having this theoretical, notional, or relative character means also that it can have no effect in the physical world. Okay, so uh, think back to the left of a building, right? Yeah, uh, the notion of leftness, right? It can't move particles, right? It can't have any effect in the physical world in the same way that you know bricks and mortar can, right? Um, uh, so the human free will can be sort of thought of on that rough analogy, you know, because of the fact that it's something quite immaterial, non-corporeal, has no external existence. It doesn't have any direct link to the um, uh, external or physical world. All right. What that means is that for our choosing to have any effect in the physical world, uh, there needs to be something other than an our, other than us, something other than our free will. Right? Uh, of course, the human being has no power. Uh, I hasten to add. Uh, again, it's another um, uh, it's another uh, Sunni position. Right? Uh, that's the only power we have. Our only ability is to make these free choices. Right? This sort of relative or theoretical matter of using our free will. That's the only that's the only free ability ability that we have. Right? 
And it's on that basis that we're held to account, mind you, right? Um, so all that being the case, and especially given the fact that this free will, which is the only ability that we have, it's quite theoretical. Uh, it can have no effect on uh, the external or physical world. Therefore, if my choices are to see any effect, have any effect on the um, external physical world, then I'm entirely reliant upon Allah to actuate those choices. Right. So, again, just as I mentioned at the start, all I can do, right, this is the Sunni position, all I can do is make a choice. So, my doing that has no physical existence, has no wujud hariji. Uh, if I choose to reach forward and pick up a glass of water, once that uh, relative or um, uh, theoretical um, uh, you know, mental act takes place, then I'm entirely reliant upon Allah to actually cause my arm to move forward and pick up that glass and drink it. Okay? So Allah has to act as the illetatamme for that physical event to occur. But it's just that what he often does is that he, uh, in most cases, especially given that we're in a testing realm, in most cases what Allah does is that he takes into account my free choice. Okay? So uh, Allah doesn't just make my arm move forward for no reason at all. Uh, in most cases, if my arm moves forward and if I find my hand reaching for a glass in front of me, right, it's going to be because Allah took into account my wanting for that to happen, my choosing for that to happen, my preferring that to happen as opposed to any number of other choices that are presented to my consciousness at any given point in time. Okay, um, so That's the Sunni position of how things work. Um, our free wills being uh, an emri itibari, you know, a theoretical or relative uh, a matter having no external existence, um, means that yeah, it can have no physical uh, effect um, uh, in the external world. Right? In the physical world, it can have no impact without Allah's help. But what if, what if that wasn't the case? You know, what if? What if the Mu'tazila um, guys were correct? Um, what would be, you know, so to imagine, so Bidusman's already shown up to this point that, you know, given that, um, uh, you know, if we accept that the uh, human faculty of free will or its use is something theoretical, and it's quite easy to see, I think, that uh, we, we're going to be reliant upon Allah to give effect to our choices, you know. But uh, what if we're wrong about that? You know, what if the Mu'tazila guys are right? Um, and we do have the ability to create our own actions right so how would that work well you know we make a choice and our making that choice would be the illetatamme that would be the cause that has the power to make let's say my arm reach forward and pick up a glass of water or my legs uh, you know uh, uh, walk me from A to B uh, um, or, or any other such act okay um, my choosing right my um, uh, uh, making a free choice, yeah, by actually using my faculty of free will, that would need to be the illetatamme. Uh, uh, that's what we'd need to accept. Right? So, what's the problem with accepting such a thing? You know, uh, given the advantages of that that I mentioned earlier. You know, because uh, if I'm responsible not just for my choices, but also the physical events that occur after my choices, then aren't I accountable, you know, in a firmer way, uh, you know, if we're here to be held to account, like if we're here to be examined, in other words. 
you know, wouldn't it be better if we were responsible uh, for our actions as well as our choices? Uh, what's the problem with, with all of this? Well, Bedusaman points out here, you know, something that might not be immediately apparent. Uh, it's this uh, problem that if, if uh, our choosing... Uh, is the illeta uh, tamme uh, together, of course, with certain other conditions out there? Uh, you know, um, uh, let's say, you know, for example, uh, if I choose to pick up uh, a glass of water, certain other conditions would need to be in place before I could uh, act as the cause of my picking up that glass of water. For example, I'd have to uh, exist, I'd have to be alive, I'd have to have an arm and, and, and a hand in the first place, there'd have to be a glass in front of me, it would need to be within reach. Um, if I'm to drink what's in it, uh, there'd need to be in fact a liquid in it. Right? So let's pretend all of those conditions are in place. Right? Uh, then all that remains all that remains on the Mu'tez view for me to actually reach forward and pick up that glass and drink that uh, fluid that's in it is my finally just choosing it. Uh, I choose it and my choosing it uh, has the power to create that effect so long as those relevant conditions are in place. Right? Um, so what's the problem with this? Bedizaman points out that, you know, although it might not seem so at first glance, actually uh, what that would do was nullify our free will. Our free will would be quite unfree. Okay, um, uh, so why is that the case? Right? It's for this reason. It's for this reason that what happens when, on the Sunni view, right? So what happens if we if we understand our uh, faculty of free will as being theoretical, right, um, and being unable to act as an illetatamma as a total cause, right? Uh, if we take that particular view, right? so this is how things work. I incline toward a particular choice. Right? I prefer, let's say again, glass A rather than glass B. Right? Um, once I prefer in that way, uh, because that does not act as the illeta tamme, that does that's not um, uh, uh, that cannot cause my arm to actually reach out and grab it and enable me to drink it. It's just a mental act. I'm therefore reliant upon Allah. Okay, um, so we've already said all of that, but let's pretend now that what I'm about to uh, reach forward and pick up and drink is something forbidden again. Right? So let's again pretend that it's some alcoholic beverage. Right? What happens is, right, for those actions for which I'm going to be accountable, right, what happens is that prior to, right, so logically prior to actually creating that event, what happens is that I have an opportunity to uh, abandon, right, but Zuman puts it here in that way, right, you have the ability to abandon that inclination, right, you have the ability to abandon that choice, in other words, uh, you can change your mind, in other words. Uh, so uh, this can happen in a, in a number of ways. You know, Bedouzman says here, the Quran can tell you, this is evil, do not do it. So I take it that what he's talking about there is that, you know, uh, what can happen is that once I make a choice, so I've chosen to pick up something, so I've inclined toward a particular preference, glass A instead of glass B, glass A is an alcoholic beverage, I've inclined toward that, and then suddenly uh, I remember 
right? I, it comes into my mind uh, that, hey, this is something haram. Right? Or my wishdan activates there. I, I start to feel guilty about that. Even as I'm, even as I'm inclining towards it, right? uh, you know, even as I'm reaching forward toward it maybe, I'm reminded that, hey, you know, uh, in various ways, whether whether a good friend reminds me, or whether my wishdan reminds me, or whether, you know, the idea comes into my mind in one way or another, uh, I can be reminded that this is something evil. So I then have an opportunity to abandon that. Although I'd already inclined toward it, I'd, I'd already preferred that choice out of all the choices in front of me. I'd already decided that, for me, this is what's tastiest. This is what's most preferable. That alcoholic beverage rather than that halal, that permissible glass of water. I've already inclined toward that. But because I don't have the power to create actions, there is an opportunity. There's a sort of gap there. There's a logical gap there right? for me to be reminded and for me to, to abandon that choice. And then if I refuse to abandon it, and Allah creates that action, and I go ahead and I drink it, and then I'm held to account for that. Okay. Um, or alternatively, I abandon it, and instead of choosing the alcoholic beverage, I then re-incline now. Now, instead, I instead incline toward alternative B. I choose now the glass of water instead. Uh, and then Allah can create that. And then I end up doing something permissible rather than something impermissible. Okay, so that's the general schema. That's the general way uh, that Bedouzman sees uh, our free will operating uh, uh, in accordance with uh, our uh, that. That's the schema in accordance with which we are tested right, on Bedouzman's uh, uh, Sunni view here. Right? Let's pretend, but now that the Mu'tazila view was correct. Right? Let's pretend instead that. I have the power to create that action. Well, suddenly what happens is that uh, that opportunity to um, uh, abandon that inclination, right, that choosing, that preferring the alcohol rather than the water, right, that opportunity is, uh, is, is no longer there. Now my irade, like my free will, which isn't really free anymore, like my, my faculty of free will, it's now operating in very much a mechanistic way. Right? How so? Well, uh, it's because of this. Remember, we said that if I am the uh, cause of my physical actions, right, then I have to be the illetatamme, I have to be the total cause uh, for that physical event, right? the physical events that I choose. So my arms reaching forward and picking up that glass, I have to be the illetatamme for that. So once all the relevant conditions are in place, uh, so let's say the uh, glass is there, the alcoholic beverage is in it, uh, it's within my reach, all the conditions are in place, let's say, what's then left? Well, nothing other than my inclining toward that choice as opposed to all the other choices. Once that inclination occurs, uh, then we're committed to the view. If we take the Mu'tazila view, we're committed to the view that that physical event is going to necessarily ensue because now the necessary and sufficient conditions for it are all in place. Okay? Uh, if I am really, if, if I can form the illetatamme, if I myself can act as 
you know, uh, the necessary and sufficient condition for my being able to reach forward and grab that glass of water, uh, presuming, of course, the glass of water is there in front of me. If that's the case, then the moment that I make that choice, then the physical event has to occur, um, and uh, and I drink it, and uh, all of this occurs in this sort of mechanistic way. So there isn't that opportunity to abandon that uh, inclination. So we see in the end that, on Bedizuman's view, right, what it is that's making our uh, choosing right, uh, free, right, what it is that makes us free is not just the ability to be able to incline toward a certain choice, right? but rather also the ability to be able to abandon that, thanks to the fact that that choosing does not automatically result in the uh, creation of that physical event. It's because I'm reliant upon Allah to create that physical event, and Allah affords me that opportunity to abandon it. Okay? It's because of that that my free, uh, uh, free will is free. It's in that sense that my free will is free. So we see in the end that the, uh, the fact that um, the creation of my actions is thanks to Allah, the khalq of al, is due to Allah, that is actually something quite advantageous for me. Uh, you, you know, in the first instance, it looks like uh, um, a deficiency. It looks like something no good. Uh, all I can do is choose. I can't give effect to my choices. Uh, it looks like something uh, not good, but in fact, it's what gives me my freedom. Right? It's what enables me to abandon, okay? Um, because I can't act as the illetatamma. Uh, you know, my free will has no wujud haraji, has no external existence. Uh, therefore, it cannot act as you know, the total cause of uh, physical events in the world. Uh, therefore, I'm reliant upon Allah. So, therefore, I have the opportunity, opportunity to abandon uh, uh, mistaken choices. Okay. Um, you know, in the absence of all of this, we don't have true freedom. Right? We don't really have free will. What we have is this sort of mechanistically operating uh, faculty. Right? If we have the power to create then, yeah, you know, we, we make choices and quite mechanistically we give effect to those choices. Right? We've no opportunity, opportunity to uh, abandon them. Um, so that's, um, as I understand, you know, Bedouzaman's uh, uh, understanding or his discussion of Hulk um, Al as it relates to uh, the human faculty of free will. Uh, so I've gone for about 58 minutes. Um, uh, let me say just a couple of words now about this second issue right, of uh, uh, if it is the case, you know, if it is the case that my free will is an emity body, it's merely something theoretical, can't have on its own any effect in the physical world, therefore Allah has to create my physical actions after I make choices, uh, then why is it that I'm held to account for the things that I do? Okay, um, let me quickly read. It's only a short paragraph. Uh, I only end up going a little bit over my allocated hour. Um, let's just read this seventh point um, uh, and come back to that issue. Okay, and we'll be able to deal with it very uh, briefly, inshallah, very quickly. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. The seventh. For sure, man's faculty of will and power of choice are weak and a theoretical matter. 
and Emri Itibari. But Almighty Allah, the absolutely wise one, made that weak and partial will a condition for the connection of his universal will. That is to say, he in effect says, My servant, whichever way you wish to take with your will, I will take you on that way. In which case, the responsibility is yours. If the comparison is not mistaken, you take a powerless child onto your shoulders and leaving the choice to him, tell him you will take him wherever he wishes. The child wants to go to a high mountain, so you take him there. But he either catches cold or falls. So, of course, you reprimand him, saying, you wanted to go there, and give him a slap. Thus, Almighty Allah, the firmest of judges, makes his servant's will, which is utterly weak, a condition, and his universal will has it in view. He goes on for a little bit longer, but I'll leave it there. Uh, I encourage everyone to read, you know, um, uh, this second topic of the 26th word in its entirety, you know, to have a full-bodied um, understanding of Bedouzman's uh, uh, view of how it is that Qadr and human free will uh, are compatible. Um, let's just quickly come back to that issue of, uh, you know, how is it that I can be held to account for actions that Allah creates? And I think we can see from that very instructive analogy that Bedouzman gives there right, that uh, we can be held to account very easily. We can, we can be held to account, even though Allah is the one that, who is creating our actions, just because of the fact that we are the ones who choose. So in effect, what's happening is that we're not so much being, technically speaking, right, maybe Bedouzman doesn't make it completely explicit there, but technically speaking, right, we're not so much being held to account for the physical events that occur out there in the world. right? So the child chooses to you know, go up to the mountain. So a certain physical event occurs, right? The child is moved from one location in, 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 in space to another, right? He's moved from the valley up into the mountain. You know? In this case, he's moved uh, you know, by his father. Uh, but in reality, both he and the father are moved by Allah, right? Given everything that we've said, right? Um, they're both, uh, you know, uh, uh, they're both moved by Allah. So all those physical events... The motions of all of the particles involved in those physical events right, are all created by Allah. Allah does everything that happens in the physical realm. Right? Um, so how is it that we're held to account for that? Well, we're not so much held to account for that. Rather, what we're held to account for, I say, is the actual choice. We're held to account for our mistaken choices. Right? To the extent that yeah, we knew those choices were incorrect, we're indeed reminded of that. We indeed had an opportunity to abandon those choices, um, but still we insisted on, on following through with them. Still we insisted on inclining in that direction. Uh, we're held to account for that. Right? We're held to account for our failure to, to comply with Allah's commands. Okay, um, So we're being held to account really for something quite non-existent. Right? We're being held to, to account for our failure failure to do something okay uh it's in that sense that we're accountable so all the physical events that occur subsequent to our choosing certain things right so i make a choice right then a certain physical event is created by allah 
Because Allah achieves great good out of those physical events, no wrongdoing can be imputed to Allah for the physical events that he makes occur, no matter what those physical events are. It could be a man's dying, subsequent to my choosing to stab him. Or it could be a ship sinking subsequent to the helmsman or the or the um, captain failing to steer the ship correctly. It could or it could be any physical event whatsoever, because Allah does them uh, uh, to achieve greater goods. Right? He does them to make known His names and attributes. For example, right? through them He uh, you know achieves. A, a wide variety of goods, right? Which really we need, you know, a number of discussions to go through, right? But just let's just uh, understand for now that when Allah creates physical events in the world, He never does evil, right? But Jesus says this, you know, quite clearly elsewhere in the Risale, right? Allah does not Himself create anything evil. Whenever He does something, He does it always for good reasons, so that the events that He creates are good, but the truth choices that we make are bad. Um, Allah's giving effect to those bad choices is good, but my choosing some bad thing, our choosing some bad thing is not good, right? Can be not good uh, if it amounts to a failure to comply, um, a failure to do good, okay? Um, so that's what's occurring there. In, in, in that analogy that Bedizuman gives, uh, of course the father there who rep- reprimands his child, right, gives him a slap, as Bedizuman uh, puts it, the father there, uh, of course we're not going to impute wrongdoing to the father, are we? You know, The reason why he carried the child on his shoulders up to the mountain was to teach him some lesson. You know, if, if, if the father was to abandon all such lessons and teach his son nothing, then yeah, there, there would be a great loss. Uh, you know, he'd failed to raise his child correctly, let's say. Right? So the father does no wrong by taking him up there, but the child does wrong by choosing to go up there. Uh, he wants to go up there. He inclines to, toward that alternative rather than any of the other alternatives. He could have told his father to carry him on his shoulders instead to some safe location, but no, he insisted on going up to the mountain. Um, so he chose incorrectly, and it's to that extent that he's accountable. It's for that that his father reprimands him, you know, because otherwise you have this absurd situation of, you know, the father reprimand. If his father was to reprimand him for the actual physical event, um, then he ought to reprimand himself because he's the one who took him up there. Uh, he's not reprimanding him for uh, the fact that they both walked up to the mountain. Rather, it's the um, uh, the fact that choosing to go up there was wrong. For the child, it was wrong for the child, but not wrong for the father. Okay, um, so that's how we can understand that second issue. You know, just very briefly, uh, it doesn't matter in the end that uh, we don't have the power to create physical events. Uh, we don't have the power to give physical effect to our choices. In other words, that doesn't matter as far as our being tested and held to account is concerned. All that is required is that. You know, we make choices in circumstances, uh, you know, where we're quite free. We make free choices uh, in circumstances where, you know, we know those choices are either right or wrong. Uh, That's all that's required for us to be held to account. Uh, It doesn't need to be the case that we're capable ourselves of giving physical effect to our choices. Um, So, uh... I'll leave it there. I've gone over uh, over an hour now. 
Um, please, again, uh, do go ahead and uh, read the 26th word in its entirety. You know, Abedizman's discussion here on Kadera is really, really important, you know, because uh, a mistaken understanding of Kader and its relation to free will uh, is um, uh, somewhere where I think a lot of us go wrong. You know, a lot of us believers, uh, yeah, we're, we're sort of prone to go wrong uh, in our thinking in these areas. So uh, really, really important to you know read that whole thing uh, and have a full-bodied understanding of what Bethesman's saying here. Um, so I'll leave it on that note. Uh, thanks again for anyone who's been able to uh, tune in and uh, join us. Uh, join us again, inshallah, next week, uh, hopefully around this time. Um, uh, and uh, see you again then, inshallah. Subhanaka la ilma lana illa ma'alamtana innaka antal alimul hakim. Ala rasulina salawat. Allahumma salawat. Sayyidina Muhammad. Lillah al-Fatiha. Thanks again and salam alaikum.